Thanks, Justin. Thanks for being with us this morning, leading us. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Uh, (laughs) You know what today is? It's the first Sunday in the season of Epiphany, yeah. So uh, if I can have the first slide here, let's read this together, shall we? Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. That's from Isaiah 60, verse 3, Epiphany, the showing, the, the light, uh, the light has come, this recognition that Jesus has come in our midst. Uh, we're going to dive back into Philippians chapter 2 this morning, uh, but before we do, let's say a word of prayer. God, thank you for the opportunity to get to be here this morning. Thank you that we can fellowship together, that we can worship together. Uh, God, as we open the scriptures this morning, I pray God, that you would give us eyes to see, that you'd give us ears to hear, that you'd give us hearts to understand, and that we would more fully turn towards you and experience the fullness of the healing presence of Jesus in our midst this morning. So in the name of Jesus, everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, so we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we're in Philippians chapter 2. We looked at the first two verses of Philippians 2 last week, so I want to start there. I'll read through those two verses and we'll move forward. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So, uh, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He is writing in the context of the first century to a Roman colony in Philippi where Nero is Caesar and he operates out of ambition and conceit, taking over one territory after another. Rome, the superpower of the day, going into nation after nation, territory after territory, and claiming it for himself. Peace by the sword uh, was the way of Rome. And Paul writes to the small Roman colonies and he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Completely counter-cultural idea for these young Christians in Philippi. A completely counter-cultural idea for us today. We live in a world where people get ahead through selfish ambition and vain conceit. We live in a culture, a celebrity culture, where people worship these celebrities who make themselves known through selfish ambition and vain conceit. This is the way the world works. Unless, of course, you're the Detroit Lions, who lost yesterday, and uh, they have won a playoff game once in the last 58 years. They're just not selfish. 
They just give it away. Every time, they just, just give it away, don't they? Generous. I mean, and the Raiders too, buddy. Also generous. Also generous. Just, you know, so there are some celebrities who just, you know, self-giving. Like, go ahead, take, take the win. <laughs> we'll see you next year. Uh, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is a completely counter-cultural idea to live this way of life. What does it look like to be self-giving rather than selfish? This is what Paul is challenging these young Christians in Philippi to be like, to be self-giving rather than selfish. That the way of Jesus, which he'll get into, the way of Jesus is always self-giving love rather than looking out for number one, rather than getting ahead yourself. It's always looking to the interests of others. <clears throat> so uh, my family and I, for the last several months, we've been uh, going through these kind of devotional books together around the dinner table uh, called Good Dirt. They follow the church calendar. It's three volumes. Little plug for you if you're a family and uh, you want something like this. Really. Uh, great discussion questions that the author that she gives in uh, th these books. And one night, a few nights ago, uh, the topic, she was going through some different spiritual disciplines and she uh, brought up the spiritual discipline of submission. And that submission is something we do to one another as Ephesians says in the next slide, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, to submit to one another, and she defines submission as this, uh, giving up our own way. What does it look like to give up our own way, rather than looking to our own interests, to look to the interests of others? And uh, then in the book, she said, and so this would be a great opportunity uh, for parents to talk about submission with their children, because parents often think about children should submit to parents, and we rarely think about how, as parents, we should submit to our children. And I was like, whoa. Uh, and, and defining it this way, giving up our own way. And then she wrote, and so this would be a great opportunity for parents to practice the spiritual discipline of confession to their children and confess to their children how they have not submitted, how they have not given up their own way uh, to their kids. And so uh, Jenna and I do this. And uh, it strikes me, one of the, the ways I often do this is uh, I can hunker down with my list of things I have to do. Uh, I do it here uh, in my office. I just hunker down in my office because I got this list and I got to knock this stuff out. Uh, and, and then when I get home at night, my kids are vying for my attention. One wants to show me her art project. Another wants to show me a cartwheel. Another wants me to read a book. And I'm thinking, I, I need to help Jenna with dinner. I got to take out the trash. I, I got to do this, this, and this. And then I can read you that book. It, it's like the list so often takes priority over the relationship. And I can rationalize it, right? Because this list, it's always for others. It's like, I got to do this for my family, or I got to do this for our church family. Like the list, like it's always for others, right? But it, it can take priority over actual relationship with others. And I, so I confess this to my kids. I, I see how often I will tell you 
I have to do this, this, and this, and then I can read you that book, or then we can do this or that. Uh, and it just really struck me. Um, and as I was thinking about it more and more, uh, and then as I was preparing for this Sunday, uh, I wrote this little thought in response to it. We're addicted to doing without allowing ourselves to be restored in our inner being. We are distracted by many things rather than being present to the one thing. A time comes when we must decide what we value, our list or our legacy. And just realizing so deeply, for me, I, I, I want to invest in the legacy of my children more than my list. The, the list is always going to be there, right? We're always going to have a list of to-dos. Uh, but in the moment, my wife and children are right there in front of me. Uh, I want to invest in a legacy more than a list. Um, <clears throat> so, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. So I want to simply ask you this morning, where in your life uh, are you wrestling with selfish ambition or conceit rather than self-giving love? Where, what, what uh, drives you to desire uh, more status or more power or more financial gain at the expense of relationship? Where are you looking to your own interests rather than the relational interests God invites you into? Verse 5, in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This word mindset's a word we've talked about a lot in this series. It's phronio. It's that word that means to think, feel. It's how are you thinking and how are you feeling? Paul says, in the way you think, in the way you feel, ultimately in your attitude, be like Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. So in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset, the same attitude, think the same way, feel the same way as Christ Jesus, because everything's relational. For Paul, in your relationships with one another, it's not, there's no solo individual Christian life. It's all connected. God is a relational God, the triune God of the universe, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, created us in God's image to be relational. It's all connected. The way of Jesus cannot be lived alone. So in your relationships with one another, be like Jesus. It doesn't say, like we talked about last week, in your relationships with one another, you should all think exactly the same. You should all have the same position on everything. Uh, you, you should all align on the issues in the exact same way. It doesn't say that. It says in your relationships with one another, think and feel towards the other the way Jesus does. So, another story for you uh, around the dinner table. My older two girls, nine and seven, uh, they've really been getting into listening to more and more music. 
And uh, so we're around the dinner table and they say, Daddy, we found this new song today and it's so great, we love it. Uh, Mama, can we pull it up and listen to it? And so Jenna looks it up on YouTube and the way we do this, we look thing, songs up on YouTube and then turn the phone over so our kids, we, we like no screen time kind of parents. Uh, we're really mean people. Uh, <clears throat> And so the song's playing with the phone upside down, and uh, the first lyrics come up. Next slide. I lost my keys in the great unknown, and call me please, because I can't find my phone. Uh, and like the beat of the song, and the I'm just like immediately, I'm like, oh man, I can't wait until this song is over. Like, I can't stand listening to this song right now. And then the next lyric. Uh, this is the stuff that drives me crazy. This is the stuff that gets to me lately. And I'm thinking, yes, this song is driving me crazy. It, it's getting to me. And, and then the next lyric, uh, in the middle of my little mess, I forget how big I'm blessed. And I'm thinking, like, rather than allowing that to actually affect me, like, and realize, you know what, I, I'm a very blessed person, it, the critic in me immediately is like, that's a weak lyric. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then the next slide, uh, this is the stuff that gets under my skin, but I've got to trust you know exactly what you're doing. It might not be what I could choose, but this is the stuff you use. And I'm just like cringing inside my head, like I want this song to be over, I want to be done with this. And, uh, and then it's like the spirit nudges me, like, don't look to your own interests, but the interests of others, and right now, your girls are very interested in this song. You don't have to be, but you better be interested in your girls who are very interested in this song. And, and pick the good out of it and talk with them about it, why they like it, discuss it together, because this could turn into a really great conversation, or you could sit there and be in your head criticizing it. Uh, and it was like this, oh, epiphany uh, for me in the moment of, I, I do not have to live in such a way where the way I think and feel, my attitude is one of critic towards things like this. Just because it's not my style of music, just because it's not what I would choose to listen to, doesn't mean I can't be fully present in the moment to my girls for whom this song is saying something to them. I, I have an opportunity here. I, I can be present to them in that and discuss it with them, or I can sit there and just criticize it in my head. Uh, in your relationships with one another, have the same attitude, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. Uh, what does it look like for us to engage others in this sort of way, to be fully present rather than disengaged? <clears throat> Here's the thing about God. Next slide. Uh, the fundamental thing God does over and over again is give. God is a God of self-giving love. Uh, God is a God of self-giving love. Paul, uh, in this beautiful poem, puts it this way. 
God, uh, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Uh, this all flows together. When, you, when you're not looking to your own interests, rather you're looking to the interests of others, then you're going to naturally be in this divine flow of self-giving love and choose to be a servant rather than selfish. Uh, this idea of making oneself nothing is, uh, the Greek word for it is kenosis. It means self-emptying. Notice what Brian McLaren says about this. He says the theological term for this is kenosis, which means self-emptying. Rather than seizing, hoarding, and exercising power in the domineering ways of typical kings, conquistadors, and religious leaders, Jesus was consistently empowering others. Next slide. He descended the ladders and pyramids of influence instead of climbing them upwards, released power instead of grasping at it, and served instead of dominating. He ultimately overturned all conventional understandings of power by purging it of violence to the point where he himself chose to be killed rather than kill. Uh, this is who Jesus is. This is what God is like. Uh, when you wonder what is God like, simply look at the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God, who fully emptied himself for the sake of the world, and instead of coming like typical kings with violence to dominate and to conquer, he gave up his life for the sake of the world. Uh, this is the way of Jesus, the one who comes to serve rather than to be served. <clears throat> God is a servant. God is a servant. This is clear from the beginning of the story. When God makes humans in his own image, and in Genesis chapter 2, God places the man in the garden to serve and protect it. That's literally what it says in Genesis 2.15, to serve and protect the planet, to work and take care of it. Uh, this is the heart of who God is. God is a servant, and he creates us in his image to reflect this servant, self-giving love of God, to serve and protect the world, to serve and protect the planet, to serve and protect each other. This is what God is like, and he creates us in his image to be like him. I want to look at Matthew chapter 2. This uh, is one of the main texts that people look at when talking about Epiphany. It's the story of the wise men, or uh, the three kings, or however you want to talk about it. We don't know for sure how many of them there were. Uh, but they, they come, they see this star, and they're, they're coming to find this Christ child. And it says in Matthew 2, verse 1, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King 
of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Uh, one of the things that's really fascinating about this story is the complete contrast between King Herod and King Jesus. Uh, Herod is all about keeping power, obtaining more power and keeping his power. Whereas this Christ child was all about releasing power, letting go of power, leaving the power and glory of heaven to come and be amongst us. Jesus comes and dwells in our midst the incarnation, and we're invited into that incarnational way of being in the world, to release power, to always use power for those on the underside of power, to empower others rather than to dispossess them. This is the heart of Jesus. And these wise men, they travel because they see this star in the sky. And so all along, they're traveling and they're looking up. They're seeing the star and they're following it. They're looking up. But when they finally get to the place where Jesus is, they're no longer looking up. They bow down. They look down. And they worship him. See, we, we often believe that God is up there somewhere. Rather than recognizing that God is ever-present everywhere. God is both up there and down here. And God is present in our midst. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing and became a baby became a servant and dwelt among us. Jesus shows us the best possible way to live. Jesus shows us that there's a different way of being divine in the world. Nero, Caesar, in his day, claimed to be divine. And his way of being divine was to use power to his own advantage. Jesus uses his power to give himself away for the sake of the world. Uh, Jesus shows us 
what it really means to be divine. Jesus shows us what the one true God of the universe is like. The one true God of the universe is a God who is a servant, is a God who always uses power for others to bless and to love. This God, revealed in Jesus, is a God of self-giving love, ultimately giving himself for the sake of the world on the cross. We're invited into this pattern of life where we give ourselves up for the sake of the world. We're invited into this way of being in the world, self-giving love. Rather than selfish ambition and vain conceit, Paul says there is a different way of being in the world. It's looking not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. It's giving yourself away for the sake of the world. It's having the mindset, it's thinking and feeling the way Jesus does about the world. This is the opportunity we're invited into, and ultimately the way of dying and rising. This is the pattern that God set up in the world, the pattern of dying and rising, and we're invited into it. Uh, Jesus became a servant and ultimately humbled himself to death on a cross. This morning, as we come and take this bread and dip it in the cup, Jesus is inviting us to reflect on his self-giving love, to experience his presence of dying and rising. Uh, my hope for you this morning as you come and partake is that you will be filled back up with the love of Christ so you can generously give it back out to the world. God, thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, thank you for this ancient letter that we get to read nearly 2,000 years later uh, and for this ancient story of the Magi following a star in the sky and ultimately arriving at a baby who is king of the world and bowing down to worship him. God, I pray that we would more and more be a people who worship the humble and crucified Jesus as well as the risen and exalted Christ. God, make us a people who follow this pattern of Jesus to die and to rise, to be united with Christ in his death so that we might also be united with him in his resurrection. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So as you go, may you know the presence of the crucified and risen Christ right in your midst, right within you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his shalom, the very peace of Jesus that surpasses all understanding. Grace and peace be yours. Amen.